about vision. To help us out with that, I would like you to pay attention to Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 39. That can be on the screen, on your Bibles, or on a screen that you have. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39. Today, I want to talk to you about the ecosystem of our church. I want to talk to you about practicing a redemptive ecosystem, one that loves God and loves others. There was a Pharisee who came up to Jesus and said, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, Oh, the most important one? You must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'll go on to add that the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. This is the word of the Lord. Ha-ha! Indeed, ecosystems. I've had a lot of fun studying ecosystems. Uh, They're not only uh, ecosystems of environmental nature, there's also ecosystems of organizations. I'm discovering an awesome ecosystem alive in my backyard. Some of you were in my backyard yesterday, and you got to see that there's vegetation taking life in my backyard. They're in particular... And I can't, I'm not that, James, I'm not that much of a green thumb. So I can't take a ton of credit. I think it's like I mistaked my way into something good. Um, And uh, in our raised bed, we have two cherry tomato plants that are absolutely going nuts. They're producing so many tomatoes. And it's it's fantastic. One of my favorite things is to watch Hadley. She goes back. She gets her little little, uh, stool. She stands on it, and she starts picking fruit off the cherry tomato tree and beginning to eat it. I'm not sure quite what is happening uh, there underneath the soil, but whatever's happening underneath the soil is giving life, nutrients, and energy into this plant to produce lots of fruit. Now, I don't give tours to this part of my yard. I will gladly show you the cherry tomatoes. But there's another part of my yard I could walk you to. Now, I would never do this because it makes me look bad. But I could walk you to another part of my yard that, for whatever reason, my thumbs have not been as green in this section of my yard, John. And there's plants that are dying. Just this week, we lost an entire clematis tree uh, because, for whatever reason, whatever is underneath the soil there or the conditions in which we've placed it, Either way, there's not a system of life that is feeding this clematis plant. And a clematis is a vine plant that has real rich green leaves and then will flower into uh, certain colors and will climb. A clematis is great to put on a trellis and let it climb up, or it's, it's great to put around a light pole. 
uh, in our yards, the light pole, whatever's underneath the ground where the light pole is, is killing our climatics. The ecosystem is a dangerous one around the light pole. It's taking the life of this plant. Now, in the backyard where the raised bed is, whatever's in the raised bed is producing lots of life, and whatever's underneath the light pole is taking life. This morning, I want to talk to you about organisms that give life and organisms that take life, right? Systems like the raised bed garden in my backyard that produces rich, nutrient life. I want to also talk to you about the light pole of my yard, those systems that take life. And just like systems, systems are like people. People are like systems. Do you know of anyone that when you're around them, they just give you life? Like the real positive, bubbly people that whenever you're around, you just find, hey, I'm happier because you are around, right? Folks that enliven you and energize you and bring you to life. And you find that, man, you know what? You're actually reproducing. Your energy and your life is reproducing life in me. Does anybody know anybody like that? Yeah, a few. Some people, does anybody not know anyone that, that you don't have a single person in your life that you like to be around? Oh, okay, okay. Yep, two teenagers back there. There's not one. They don't even like sitting next to each other. You guys should just sit apart. You're going to hurt each other. Now, does anyone know anybody that when you're around them, it absolutely sucks the life out of the room? Have you ever been a person that sucks life out of the room? You step into the room and suddenly you see a bubbly, like, energetic room grow quiet, distant, and cold. Welcome to pastoring. Okay. <laughs> you show up, you introduce yourself as pastor, and everyone grows quiet and cold. You lose friends. Everyone starts confessing for whatever reason. They apologize for using words. Yeah. <laughs> they tell you how long it's been since they read their Bible. Yeah, it just gets real. It gets real awkward real quick. Welcome to being, welcome to being a pastor. But we all know, right? We all have, like systems, people can be like systems, and systems can be like people. Where there's systems that give life, and there's systems that take life. There's systems that reproduce, and there's systems that choke life away until it's like a clematis plant around my light pole, losing all of its green leaves and all of its flowers. Well, this morning, first in review and then in vision, I want to talk to you about the soil of New Beginnings Church. I want to talk to you about, first, the health of the soil. I would argue, though we don't necessarily see all of the fruit on the tree yet, our soil is rich with nutrients. Here's what I would point to. Can you go back? Let's go back. I think maybe you already showed it. Let's go back to the numbers. Yes. This is what I would point to. I would point to these four main areas. One 
that with the Hispanic congregation and the Anglo congregation combined, we averaged 114 this year. This shows the same attendance from last year. We're stabilizing. And the core of people that come, out of the 114 that come, 75% have given to the mission of our local church. This reflects a doubling of consistent givers in our congregation. We have gone from 14 consistent givers. That's we, we categorize a, a consistent giver at, church, at uh, New Beginnings Church as someone that gives 9 out of the 12 months of a year. That's what we categorize as consistent. When I arrived two years ago, we had 14 consistent givers. 14. As of this report, we have 28. We have 28 consistent givers. Thank you, because that's awesome. And what does that show? That tells a different narrative than what we can always see on the surface. It says something about the soil in which you're planted in. It says something about health, that this organization is healthy. If people are giving of their incomes for a church, there's something healthy about that because that's not happening in a lot of other places. So I would give praise to God over that, and I would also point to our annual revenue of $226,000 that this is for the second year in a row we have exceeded what we thought we would bring in. We're growing financially. What does that mean? That means something about your hearts and what you believe in. It means that there's something happening here that you feel like is worthwhile. I want to put some more language to what is worthwhile about our ecosystem in just a second. But these numbers tell me, hey man, we're healthy also, we baptized six people last year. No one's clapping for that, but you should. <laughs> and the reason you should clap for that is the majority of those baptisms, five of the six came from our Hispanic congregation. This is where we're seeing the most growth in terms of people and families plugging into our church. Our Hispanic congregation is growing at a much faster rate than our Anglo congregation. And to that, the, uh, the fact that we have a minority group growing here in the United States, that is awesome, good news, reflective of the gospel. <laughs> and I'm excited for that. If you have not worshipped with our Hispanic congregation... Uh, in a couple Sundays, they'll go back to their normal rhythms, and they, they worship at 12.30 p.m. You might, if you're like me and you don't speak Spanish, you may have a hard time understanding the service. But you will. You will understand it in spirit. <laughs> and even in truth, you'll understand it. They worship Jesus Christ, and it is a beautiful congregation. Their growth is also contributed to the fact that they meet weekly, uh, multiple times weekly. They meet for discipleship on Wednesday nights. They meet for discipleship on Sunday mornings. And on Friday nights, they meet for small groups. They're growing because they are connecting. 
And we are privileged to be connected with the Hispanic congregation to be one. You are one of the brightest stories that we have to tell. And uh, <laughs> yes, Ani. Yes, yes. Well, what's the other one? Oh, I think I thought. So those would be the four metrics that I would that I would point to right off the top that I can say, I see those things, and I think, hey, there's something good. Oh, I'll tell you another one, Bonnie, because I can see in your eyes you're wanting to know one more. I'll give you one more. Last year, we asked 21 people to serve on the church board. Last year, we asked 21 people to serve on the church board, and 15 told us no. This year, we asked 22 people to serve on the church board, and 11 told us yes. We went from 15, we went from six yeses to 11 yeses. Let me put that a different way. We went from six yeses and 15, I don't think I can serve on the church board because let's be honest, I don't trust what church boards do. I don't trust that this would be a life-giving thing. I don't trust that I'll make any difference, or I don't trust that the system or institution will make any difference at all. I don't trust what I've experienced in the past. I'm afraid of what you all do on a monthly basis. We went from that to 11 people believing in what we do here, believing in who we are as an organization. I give praise to God, and I point to that as a metric of there must be some healthy soil somewhere in this place if 11 of you are willing to spend one night a month in a board meeting. There must be something healthy going on, the fact that we are growing interest in serving our local church. All right. So, as I look back and now as I look forward, One of the things that I'm reflecting on, just to stick with the analogy, is the health of a soil, of our soil. And any ecosystem to thrive has to have a healthy foundation. And not just an ecosystem, but how about a vineyard? Because this is the picture given to us in Scripture. The kingdom of God, like Pastor Megan read, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who goes out and casts seed. Where the seed falls on rich, nutrient soil, it grows and produces fruit. (laughs) So looking at, now you can go back to those pictures, Carson. Looking at this analogy, at this picture of a vineyard, there's lots of things that goes into making sure that a field can then become rich with produce, feeding others. Three of the main things are the soil, are the structure, and the security. The last one, I want to pause on that for a minute to make sure, because uh, 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 in our culture, a fence around anything, I think, communicates the wrong, the wrong message that I'm trying to communicate. This fence isn't about... This fence isn't for us. It's not about keeping things out. It's about identifying a place and what it is for. When you drive by a highway and you see a farm field and you see a fence, that fence is helping mark a place. 
It's marking a space that's meant specifically for growing whatever they are trying to grow. So for security for us is security in knowing that we have a place and we know what to do within that place. We can't grow anything if we don't have structure, right? If we just all showed up without any plan in place at all, we'd all fall apart. Another way to say this, Donnie, is if your flesh had no bones, you wouldn't be a human being now, Morgan, would you? Could you imagine your body without a skeleton? You'd be a puddle of flesh. (laughs) It's kind of fun to think about that. It's kind of scary, right? Could you imagine your body with no flesh? You can't imagine because you've probably seen a skeleton uh, in a movie or something like that. Yeah. A body with no flesh is no longer living, right? But bodies, in order to thrive, they must have a skeleton. They must have structure. Farms, in order to thrive and produce, well, they must have structure. And for that structure to give life, there must be soil underneath it that is rich, filled with nutrients, ready to produce. (laughs) This, when casting seed, is what you're looking for. You're looking for the seed to fall on soil that is rich, structure that will give life, security in place in order for it to grow and know its identity. Well, I just want to say quickly so we can move on past all of this. That church, because of what I've mentioned prior, I think our soil is rich. For the last two years, I've been your pastor now for two years, I was lamenting to Nathan I am so tired of being an organizational leader. (laughs) That's just, uh, but that's what God has called me to do here, is to lead you in organization. And for two years, we've been working on structure. And I think we're at a place where our structure is well. It is healthy. We are organized. And you can see this as you read through your reports that the structure that we've uh, produced and worked on and cultivated here is structure that is giving life. Praise be to God, our soil is rich, the structure is right, and the place is God-ordained. This is our field, Chipman Commons. We're not leaving it. This is our model, Chipman Commons. This is who we are. This is who we're going to be, landlords that manage a strip mall. When we begin to evangelize and tell others about Jesus, we're going to equally tell them about a strip mall. This is who we are. This is our structure. This is our place. There's no fence around us keeping anybody out, but there is a clear identity around us of who we are and what we're going to do. So church, what I want to tell you, what I really want to tell you today, and it's the next slide, Carson, if you want to go to that. What I want to tell you today is that our farm is in order, and it's time to grow. That we are healthy, and it's time now not to talk about yesterday. Those days are done. Now we're talking about tomorrow and the fruit that God is going to lead us to produce. And so church, uh, we're filming this today, so those that are on vacation this morning can also hear this as well. 
I want you to know there is a new day ahead of us. And I want you to get on board because we're going to need each other. We have a new mission. And it's time to begin to reach our friends for Jesus. There's a word for this. Next slide there, Carson. It's called evangelism. Church, our next step as a congregation isn't to build out a strip mall. That's already underway, and we have a plan to complete that in five years. We're doing well there. The next step for us isn't to move locations, isn't to build a building. It's not to get bigger, per se. No. Our next step is to begin to use the rich soil that God has placed us in to begin to bear fruit and tell our neighbors about the good news of the people that follow Jesus located in Chipman Commons in Lee Summit, Missouri. How I want to frame evangelism, because I'm expecting that you have an image in your mind and you're waiting for me to assign you two by two and send you out to the neighborhood. <laughs> I have an image in mind that I, I, I want to share with you, and it's not necessarily that. What I want to think about evangelism as is as connecting friends versus terms of condition. See, what I, what I want to think is about friends that connect and introduce each other to our friends. Not as accepting terms and conditions. Anyone ever uh, just want, they, all, all you want to do is just get an app, and so you download the app, and then you have to go through all the terms and conditions, and you don't read it, you just accept it and move on because you want the app, right? I think sometimes we think about evangelism as that's what we have to do. We have to tell everyone all the terms and conditions of what following Jesus Christ is, and then they have to sign off before we can give them the good news, <laughs> before we can give them the fruit, and that this is what evangelism Evangelism is. I go to a door, I knock on it, I have a pamphlet, I share with them all the terms and conditions, and I ask them to sign in the form of accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Well, if that's evangelism, that's not going to happen. How many people would like to do that this afternoon with me? It's not going to happen. So, in fact, what we do is then we just stop talking about evangelism altogether. We're afraid of it. We're scared of it. We're afraid of what it might mean to share good news. What I want to think of evangelism as is Philip going to Nathaniel, sitting underneath a fig tree, and Philip says, I have found something that gives me life. I have found something that fulfills my dreams, my purposes, and my desires. Nathaniel says, oh, really? And what does Philip say? Come and see. I want to connect you to the field I'm planted in, which gives life. I don't want you to be around a light pole out here, Nathaniel. You're dying like the clematis tree. Where you're living is not connected to the source that gives you life. Instead, I want to show you what gives me life. I want to show you what thrills me. And fulfills my passion and my purpose. And so Philip invites Nathaniel to come and see. I want to talk about evangelism like the friends. They take the lame man in Mark. And they carry him to Jesus. And the, the thing is so packed that they got to cut a hole out of the roof. And they lower the lame man to see Jesus. Because there is life. 
what I want to talk about, when I talk about evangelism, when we begin to lead each other to be a church that evangelizes, what I'm thinking about is a group of closely connected people that tell their friends about the life in which you're finding where the soil is rich, the structure is right, and the place is known. I want to think about evangelism as the community in Acts, where you see their worship and praise of God exploding to new signs of life and new creation all around them. So for us, in thinking about a church that evangelizes, a church that loves God and loves others, what do we need to do to cultivate our ecosystem? What do we need to do to get ready so that our friends can know they're welcome here? I like to say it better this way, Donnie. What do we need to cultivate at New Beginnings Church so our friends can imagine that they can live here? An honest question, if you brought your friend to church today, would they see this as a community that they could connect to? Or would they feel like they need to go to seminary before they understand what's going on in our church? If you brought your friends, would they feel welcomed here or would they feel threatened here? So what I want to ask you is, what do we need to do, church, not, so we, not just to continue to worship with one another? I know we love one another, and I love you too. But what do we need to do so that our friends know that they can grow here too? <laughs> that this place is a place of life for them too. Not just if you're Nazarene. Not just if you've grown up in this church. But this is a place for all especially those that are dying, for those that are lost, for those that are confused, for those that are like a clematis tree planted in the wrong place in the yard. What do we need to do in order to be a place where people can come and to thrive? Well, in thinking about our ecosystem here, I'm thinking about four things that work together. And of course, an ecosystem is a myriad of organisms that share life to one another, reproducing life in a larger system. And so the four that I want us to think about are charity, love, right? The way that we love God, the way that we worship we have no good ideas if they don't arise out of this moment of giving ourselves to the word, to the Lord, and to prayer. So I want to think about charity. I want to think about connection, the way we have friendship with one another. What do we need to do to get our soil ready? What do we need to do to be a church that can receive new people? Well, we need to work on being friends, do we not? Don't raise your hand, but how many men in here would say, I don't have any friends and all I want is a friend? About every single man I talk to from this congregation. We need to cultivate friendship. We need to have an atmosphere, an ecosystem in which if someone's looking for a friend, they walk into this place and they can imagine their friendship growing here. Care and compassion. 
I would say that one segment of our ecosystem is charity, one segment is connection, and the other one is care, how we care for one another. One of the greatest stories of our past year is how we cared for families in tragedy. I would say we do this well, and anyone wanting to practice congregational compassion, if they walked in through those doors, they would immediately imagine that they could live here. Because that's something that we do, maybe better than any other church I've ever known. (laughs) You do it super well. And so on this point, I just want to say, keep going. (laughs) Keep going. The other cycle of life, that, the other segment that will help us in our cycle of life is change. By change, I mean life change. Life change doesn't happen without discipleship. We need to be a church that is rich with discipleship. So in short, where we've been is through a lot. We've discussed that this past year. Those days are done. (laughs) We are now in a new day. I can see and you can see that we're as healthy as we've been in a really, really long time. So with the Spirit's help and by the grace of God, we are going to bear fruit because that's what God has called us to do. As your pastor, I've identified these four areas that I want us to focus on now and in the years to come. Worship, friendship, compassion, and discipleship. For those that do well with alliteration, that's charity, connection, care, and change. But what I'm really talking about is the way we worship, the way we befriend one another, our compassion, and our discipleship. So just laying those four things out aren't good enough, right? Because your immediate question is how, what, when. (laughs) By the grace of God, by the Spirit of God, The Lord will be faithful in leading our leaders, our church board, and our staff in implementing these things in responsible ways. But I can tell you that starting in the fall, we will begin small groups. And we're going to be very careful in the way in which we do this. But church, we cannot grow without discipleship. And our Sunday morning pattern of discipleship is good. But that leaves the entire rest of the week empty of us connecting with one another. We need to connect together. I would say that our church right now, our congregation operates as a great small group. We are a small group already. Our patterns and rhythms of sharing life, sharing vulnerability, opening up, those patterns are tremendous patterns for small groups. And so we're going to begin to shift and change our orders of service on Sunday morning. They will begin to look different. Because we're going to place some of the things that we love to see on Sunday morning, we're going to begin to place those in our small groups. In the fall, when we launch small groups, I'll be reaching out to leaders, recruiting you specifically. You'll meet with me and Jenny for 8 to 12 weeks. We will train. We will get the structure ready. We will get the soil ready by praying together, by imagining what small groups will look like for New Beginnings Church. We'll talk about the things that we won't do, and we'll talk about the things that we will do. And hopefully in January, we'll have four couples, or four people, they don't have to be couples, we'll have four leaders, four groups of leaders, maybe more, but hopefully four, 
that will be ready to launch small groups to take our discipleship deeper. And so when I talk about care, charity, change, uh-oh, what was the other one? Connection, thank you. There is a plan in place, and hopefully this next year we're praising how the soil has gotten richer, how the soil has gotten deeper, and how we're bearing fruit. But church, if we're going to bear fruit, we're going to have to break the mold of what is comfortable. And so I'm calling us out of our comfort zones. Maybe this probably doesn't need to be said. But this is where the Lord has called us, and if this doesn't look like the church you can't attend, this is the church we're going to be. This is where God is calling us. And so this is what we're going to do. And I believe with my whole heart that God is calling us to a place of life, not a place of death. And so would you join me in trusting that God knows what he's doing? <laughs> I believe it. Two other things I would add to adding small groups and changing the way we do Sunday mornings. All of these changes aren't going to happen next week. They're going to happen over this year. You'll begin to see it. But when you begin to see some changes to the Sunday morning service, you just know it's by design. It's intentional. It's deliberate. So that when guests come, they can imagine that they can live here. And that when guests come, there's an easy place for them to get connected to a small group of thriving disciples. The other two areas is we're going to continue our focus on Chipman Commons because that is our ecosystem here. Can you imagine what our community of 64063 looks like when this strip mall is thriving and flourishing and producing life for its neighbors? This is the way in which we will evangelize. How will we tell people about the good news? Well, it's a lot easier than going and asking someone if they believe in Jesus Christ. It's as simple as telling them the story at Chipman Commons. Tell them about how your church took over a place that was dying and infused it with life through worship and praise of God. This is good news. It's good news when a neighborhood that is the lowest economic status in Lee Summit is right across the street from a center trying to provide life for them. That is good news. And this is evangelism. The life of Jesus sourcing through the life of this shopping center. And the last key piece here is over the next year, we will be deliberate in outreach. We are going to begin to make more connections with our neighborhood. I'm hoping you begin to make more connections with your neighborhood. So that when we stand together and we say we're living out God's redemptive purposes here, we all have a very clear understanding of where here is. It is your neighborhood. It is our neighborhood. Your here is where you live, and it's here where your church lives. This is your structure. This, I'm sorry, this is your security. This is your place. It is your home. This is where God is going to be leading you to share the good news to your neighbors, the good news of you know a place, you know a person that provides life, that produces fruit, that meets your every need. Praise be to God.